Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. The scripture reading for the first Sunday of Lent is Mark 1, 9 through 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days. Being tempted by Satan, he was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Baptisms can make extremely memorable events. Several years ago, I was asked by a friend named Courtney Diesendorf, who's actually a part of our church, uh, to baptize her. She wasn't at that time a part of a church community, but she really wanted to be baptized. And so uh, we gathered with friends and family, and we decided to do it old school. We actually went out to the river uh, at the in town lake, and we decided uh, that's, where, that's, that's where she would want to be baptized. And so we went to Redbud Island. If anyone's been there, you know. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of Austin. You kind of feel like you're in Colorado when you are back there in that, in that part of the river. And so we decided, let's have this where we uh, will be at the, at, the, at the bank of the river. Courtney will share her story with the fr- family and friends that are gathered there. And then we'll walk about eight feet away and she'll be baptized. And it'll just be this beautiful, sweet moment. Maybe doves descending on her as well. Uh, or grackles here in Austin. And, uh, and so I quickly realized why it's much more convenient to baptize people in a baptismal. We're on the banks of this river, Courtney shares her story, and then we take eight steps into the river, and it's like up to here, and we take another eight steps, and it's up to here, and we have to, we're maybe like 50 or 60 steps away when we're finally up to our waist, and so at this point now, I'm having to yell to be heard by everyone back there on the bank of the river, just to have this, you know, sweet, intimate, sacred moment, I'm screaming, and uh, we're trying not to laugh, but it is still funny that we just had to go with it. And uh, so we had this experience, and right as I'm about to uh, dunk uh, Courtney, uh, just to make it better, I hear a kadunk. And I was like, what is that noise? I look over, and a tennis ball starts floating, and all of these dogs are... <laughs> and I'm sure here in Austin, I'm sure... They didn't think that we were going to have a baptism, right? They weren't going to ruin that moment. And so it was just a beautifully fun, sacred moment with these dogs all swimming around us. Baptisms are a unique part of the Christian tradition. And as we read our scripture this morning, we find uh, that Jesus' journey begins with a baptism. For the season that we are, uh, that is called Lent, these weeks leading up to Easter, We're on a journey with Jesus. We're going to be walking with Jesus as he uh, has his own journey. We're going to be experiencing that in our own life. And this Sunday, the first Sunday in the season of Lent, it begins with baptism. And for me, I want to spend this morning dusting off this practice and this concept for us. 
The reason being is that I think that if we were to reconsider the meaning of baptism, if we were to really begin to understand it and embrace it in our life, it would dramatically change our view of ourself and our relationship with God. It's important to know that baptism is, was not a Christian invention. It actually existed before the time of Jesus. That before then, it was a part of the Jewish tradition that people would ceremonially wash themselves before they could sit down at table fellowship. Before they could sit down around the table, they had to wash themselves. And it was more than just hygiene. It was more than just getting the dust off of their hands. It was, it was, a, it was a religious cleansing before they could sit down and have fellowship with one another over a sacred meal, they would have to clean themselves spiritually. Before people could enter into the temple to offer their prayers to God, they were instructed to wash themselves in that way. They could be in the presence of God. And so if that is the understanding of what baptism is, you could see how John was talking about baptism. He was telling people The kingdom of God is coming near. It's time for you to repent, which is just another way of saying, turn, turn your direction. You're walking this way. It's time for you to repent and turn. It's time for you to confess your sin. And so that was the meaning of baptism. In many ways, baptism was getting right with God. Some people still think that's the meaning of baptism. It's not. If that was the meaning of baptism, why in the world would Jesus need to be baptized? He didn't have sin to confess. He didn't have to repent from a wicked lifestyle. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? We see that John was confused by this. He protested. He said, no, 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 no. Uh, I should be baptized by you, not you being baptized by me. But Jesus said this needs to happen. I think the reason why is that Jesus wanted to flip the understanding of baptism upside down. Jesus took this act that symbolized people's failed pursuit of God, and he flipped it upside down. If religion is a story about people's pursuit of God, Jesus was going to tell and live a different story, which is not our pursuit of God, but God's wild, persistent pursuit of you, of me, of people. Jesus was baptized not because he needed to be cleansed from sin. He was baptized because he wanted to permanently and completely identify with people, with humanity. The journey of Jesus, although he was the Son of God, he experienced the human journey, the human experience. Why Because I think that we might now know that in every step of our life that Jesus is our companion. It's hard for me to think of any experience in my life outside of sin that I commit. It's hard for me to think of any experience in my life that Jesus hasn't already experienced. Loneliness. Jesus was often in the lonely places. Betrayal. All of the disciples, all of them left them. Every one of them. Being a refugee, being single, having hunger, not having a home, being misunderstood, especially by your family, being abused on the cross. He was abused. All of this was Jesus' life so that we might know that we have a companion through our life. God is not 
distant. He's not removed from the human experience. This gives us great hope that if Jesus chose to walk through the human experience so that he might be with us, it gives us great hope that the reason why he did that is not only so that he could walk in our shoes, but so that we might be grafted into Jesus' life. All the promises that he has, every future that he has, he grabs us and says, you are coming with me. So Jesus transformed the waters of baptism from a religious, religious cleansing And notice what the baptism became. It became a declaration of God's love. In verse 11, Jesus goes into the water and something profound happens. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. What an affirmation. Jesus heard these words before doing anything publicly. He hadn't healed anyone. He hadn't preached a sermon as far as we know. He didn't lead disciples. He didn't, you know, toss out uh, people who were possessed. He didn't clean them and heal them. Jesus' journey begins with an affirmation. It begins because that is who Jesus was. You are my son. With you I am well pleased. Don't you think that there's something within the human longing that we just desire and crave that kind of affirmation? Ernest Hemingway, he wrote a short story called The Capital of the World and begins with this line that Madrid is full of boys named Paco. A father and son became estranged. Paco, uh, he, he betrayed his father, and out of shame, he ran from his home. His father, moved by compassion, went searching for him all over Madrid, never found him. And so, out of compassion, in a last desperate uh, effort to find him, the father put an ad out in Madrid's newspaper, and it simply said this, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. That Saturday, the police had to be called in as 800 young men, all by the name Paco, showed up in hopes that maybe their father would be there to welcome, to receive them, to forgive them. I think this world is full of people named Paco who are in such desperate longing for healing, for restoration, that I know that I haven't deserved. We are longing to be seen as a child by a loving parent who receives us and wants to welcome us home. And here's the deal. What if Jesus came to this world not only to live the life that we were supposed to live and die the death that he didn't deserve, but what if Jesus also came to this world to give you the relationship you've always longed for? What if that is also the reason why Jesus came here? It's to give you the love, the grace, and the mercy that your heart and your soul is just desperate for. Jesus, later on in this journey, we will hear him say these words, As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Jesus will say these words we see of God's love for his son even in this moment. And Jesus will flip the table around and say, As the Father has loved me, so I love you. 
our companion Jesus leads us into the water of baptism, not only so that we can be cleansed from sin, but also so that we could hear a blessing. You are my child, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. That, although it might seem like a religious flub, <laughs> it's power. Do you actually believe that God delights in you? Sure, God loves you. He has to love you. God's love. But do you actually think that God delights in you? The same voice that declares his love for Jesus now declares it over God's people who are found in Christ. That same voice says, you are my beloved. This is the message of the gospel. Jesus transformed the water of lifeless religion and turned it into a demonstration of the power of God's love, the type of love that can change people from the inside out. And the reason why this is so important to get is that there's no amount of cleansing that will ever fully cover your brokenness, your sin, your failures. It will always be inadequate. The water can clean, but that water cannot change you. It can't transform. Your only hope, my only hope, is that there is a power outside of ourself that can give us a new life. We need a Savior. And this is the gospel. This is the good news. Is that your deepest identity is not your regret. It's not your brokenness. It's not your shame. It's not your failures. It's not your past. Your deepest identity is also not your successes. It's not what you bring to the table. It's not your religious devotion. It's not your achievements. Your deepest identity is simply this. God has chosen to love you. That's who you are. You are loved by a power beyond yourself. The deepest part of you, the part that no one else has ever seen, no one else has ever touched, there in that place, God's voice says a million times a day, you are mine. You are mine. You are mine. Even in your failures, that voice is still there saying, you are mine. And if only we could live from that place. Craig Fleming this morning said, if you need help in this sermon, let me know. Uh, Craig, could you, could you come up here? Are you still in the room? Yeah, okay, come on up here then. This will teach you not to offer to help with the sermon. I know it was a joke. You still shouldn't say it. Would we welcome Craig? Thank you, Craig. Thanks so much for offering this. What a great idea. Um, why don't you sit down here? So uh, one of my favorite, yeah, right here, perfect. Thank you. Uh, one of my favorite movies is the movie Hook. You guys remember this movie? Robin Williams plays the role of Peter Pan. Uh, the, the beautiful part of this story is that Robin Williams, he, he's Peter Pan as a younger man. He, you know, he has all these adventures, and he does these incredible things. But then he settles down. He goes and moves, uh, he leaves Neverland, and he settles down in San Francisco, of all places. And slowly, as he gets more and more uh, into the grind of life, uh, he becomes, of all things, a lawyer by the name of Peter Banning. A lawyer of all things, Right? And uh, slowly as he is living in San Francisco, he becomes a workaholic, distant father. 
And the older he gets, the more he forgets. He forgets all about Neverland. He forgets all about that past. He forgets it all, and he just settles into this new identity of Peter Banning. This was interrupted when one day uh, Captain Hook came and stole his kids. And so he gets drunk in their room that night in desperation, and Tinkerbell shows up. Julia Roberts Tinkerbell, right? And she throws the pixie dust, and they fly off to Neverland. It's even when he gets to Neverland, he still doesn't remember anything. He meets the Lost Boys, who are still boys at this time, because they didn't age. And so he's this grown man with all these boys. They don't think he's Peter Pan. He doesn't think he's Peter Pan. No one gives him any chance of what he is. All but, of of course, the cutest little lost boy, right? You guys remember this. And I I love this scene. Thank you, Craig, for being my my volunteer. But I love this scene. This little boy at this table, he looks at Peter. He takes off his glasses. He sits in his lap. Just go with it. Just go with it. I know, I know. (laughs) And then, this is is when it gets good. He grabs his face and starts squishing it and pulling it. Yeah. (laughs) But then, but then, he does it, and then he looks him deep in the eyes and says, Oh, there you are. There you are. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. The reason why I share that is because uh, I just wanted to sit on Craig's lap. <laughs> no, the reason why I share that is that that's the role of grace in our life. Masked by the wrinkles and scars of our regrets, masked by the soot of shame in our life, masked by the makeup and mascara of our religious pretension, grace moves our face around, looks us deep in the eyes, and with a gentle but sure voice says, there you are, there you are. The greatest role you will ever play in this world is the role of God's beloved. It's not something you do, it's an identity given to you. The question is, do you believe it? After Jesus' life, God's word tries to convey this great news uh, throughout Scripture. I'm going to share some examples of this. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. It's not by striving. It's not by cleansing yourself. It's by grace. It is a gift given to you. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his son Jesus into the world so that we might live through him. Our life is not on our own. We don't get to call up Jesus as like a consultant. We now live in and through Christ. And because of that, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. 
It's about God loving us. In Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. I just want you to try to, to try, just get a picture of Paul. He's trying to use the most expansive words possible to paint something for us. And you can see that his words are failing. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power, power to be pure from sin, power to do everything right. No, no, no. Power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. If you could only have power to understand God's love for you. And then he says this, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge. Even to the extent that God gives you the ability to understand this love, it's beyond you even then that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God is not content with your heart's capacity to be loved. God is pouring it on to his measure, his love, his delight. Friends, all of life is a response to the love of God. It's not something you've earned. It's just we get to live in gratitude. We don't get to live out of duty or obligation. We get to live in just grateful hearts of what God has already done. God does not love the better version of you. He loves you. He doesn't love the cleaned up version of you. He loves you. He delights in you. And the question this morning is whether or not you believe it. If you truly believe it. I'm not talking about an intellectual belief that you have. I'm talking about the type of belief that is... the the foundation of your life. I'm not talking about the belief that you had years ago. I'm talking about the belief today. So for this morning, as we are thinking about Jesus' baptism, uh, we, many of us, need to remember this is God's love for us. So this morning, we're going to do something a little bit odd this morning, there might be some people in this room who have experienced this type of baptism in the past, who have felt the love and affirmation of God, and maybe you've forgotten it. Maybe like Peter Banning through the years, you just kind of, you've just kind of grown old, and it's just kind of lost its way into your heart and your mind. So this morning, we're going to actually have it where you're going to be given the opportunity to come forward and to remember your baptism. You're going to come forward. Someone's going to put water on your head and give you a blessing. There's other people in this room for which you maybe have never experienced this before. Maybe for you, you're in this room and you're like, I've never experienced the type of affirmation from God. I don't even understand how God could love me. So maybe this morning is your morning to receive this beautiful affirmation of what God has done and wants to do in your life. I'm going to be in the back. If you would like to be baptized today, we would love to do that. I'm going to be in the back there to visit with you while people are, are receiving this uh, uh, remembrance of baptism. And if you just want to talk to me about it, we're going to talk up front, up in the back. And if you'd like to be baptized after the song, we're going to baptize you here today. Why? What better time to start a new life with Christ than today? Let's pray together.